Scott. Welcome back for another Casey Greats. This week, I was fortunate enough to have someone actually agree to be on the show a second time. Eric Wolschleger was with us on episode 12 with Alex Altamar when we talked about the collective funds and what they're doing here in town. Now, we didn't get a chance to discuss one of Eric's other projects that I think is just as interesting, so that's what we'll cover this week. I hope you enjoy it. Greats. Actually lucky to have our first return guest this week, Eric Wolschleger. And I've been practicing his name since last time because I'm pretty sure I screwed it up. Nailed it. (laughs) Eric, I appreciate you coming back, man. Absolutely. Um, Last time, I totally didn't even get to ask you about some of the other stuff you're working on. You came from Sprint Accelerator and you're working with the collective funds now, but... What, what else is it that you're working on? How- yeah, during the day, I keep myself pretty busy with uh, an, an organization in town called Live KC. Okay. Um, it was founded about three years ago um, by the co- one of the co-founders of CERN, Cliff Illig. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, also a, one of the owners of the soccer team. And I think, like, just kind of to paint the picture of why we exist, again, our mission statement is to make Kansas City a more attractive place for millennials to live, work, and play. Um, when we look at some of the largest employers in town and uh, even people like in the, in the, within the startup community, um, you know, Kansas city is an all out war for talent, uh, right now. Absolutely. This, this millennial generation gets a lot of, uh, a lot of people talk about it and there's a lot of buzzwords around, <laughs> you know, how lazy and entitled and everything else they are. Um, but they're, they're also a big, huge representative sample of the population. In fact, we have some companies in town that will lose in the next 10 years, you know, almost half their employee base to retirement and have to refill those positions with some of these young, talented people. That could have a pretty big impact on the business climate in the, in the whole city. It yeah, sounds like absolutely everything ready for that. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's everything, right? And, and I think the concern that most cities have, um, especially smaller cities, if you can't attract and refill your population at the same rate that um, it's, a, it, it's basically leaving or, you know, they're, yeah. they're you know, staying ahead of attrition, um, that can be a big concern. And so that hap- that impacts everything from small companies to big companies to the real estate markets to the broader economy in general. Absolutely. I never, uh, wow, that's already deeper than I thought about it. From what I can see on your guys' site, you do a lot of get-together type stuff and, and start with the social. But the idea, if it is desirable for people in their 20s and 30s to be here, then, yeah, they're the next 30, 40 years of the economy here yep. in town. Yeah, it's it's a it's pretty well known, uh, well researched, um, you know, population right now. But what we found, um, and what they what they say is, by the age of twenty five, um, you typically are um, you, you've picked your city that you're going to live in, and so Man, that's, that's really sweet. what we want to do is find, um, you know, find those people in their twenties and thirties and, and make sure that Kansas City is the place for them to be because that's most likely where they're going to end up planting roots. Wow. So that, that goes a lot deeper than just setting up some parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's way more in-depth than I, than I understood. So where, does, where did that start? I mean, you said that Cliff Illig started it as far as the organization, but what was the, the genesis of it? Did he see his workforce was struggling to pull people locally, or what was it? <clears throat> no. Um, you know, and I'll, 
I'll use a little bit of hyperbole here, but the situation essentially, you know, sitting inside of a large company, you see kind of the ins and outs of recruiting and how things are going. And sure. you know, I kind of like to think, and you know, I like to say, it didn't all happen exactly like this, but Cliff is sitting inside of Warming hearing an update from an HR professional talking about challenges they're having um, filling the roles that they have. And it's not because the job doesn't pay well or that there isn't upward mobility or that isn't, you know, an exciting place to be. I mean, Cerner's a fast-growing exactly. company, I mean, evidenced by the, the massive campuses they continue to pop up around town. It was really because they couldn't see themselves living in Kansas City. And so when you, you think about the other, you know, projects he's done in his life and even looking at, like, the soccer team as an example, mm-hmm. you know, what was it that turned Kansas City into the soccer capital of America? What did we learn in, you know, the transformation from the Kansas City Wizards to sporting Kansas City that could somehow be sprinkled across the rest of the city? Well, yeah, because... The, the Wizards, I think all the way back to the days when I was small, when we knew that the Comets existed, didn't really mean anything to most people, yeah. in, in all honesty. But now, the community as a whole has embraced a fairly young organization with sporting yeah. as just a huge part of the community. So, from what you're explaining to me, it sounds like taking that idea and really spreading it throughout town. Yeah. So that's okay. Yeah. And, and I think, it, you know, so again, like just going back to tactically now, so that if that's the mission and vision and like, you know, and I, we can talk about strategies all day, but like tactically what we knew was um, it wasn't about going and advertising and surrounding communities and saying Kansas City is a place you should live. Um, it's really been about so far in the first three years, how do we engage the people who are here? Because if you're a traveler from Chicago, as an example, and we land you right smack down in the middle of downtown Kansas City, but you don't see people, you don't see cool restaurants and bars, you don't see things to do. You're gonna write it off. Yeah, you you're you're like, oh yeah, I went to Kansas City once; it was dead. You know, so I think really the approach we've taken so far, and the, really the focus we've had is how do we get butts out of couches and make sure that you know on any any given night, you know that there's something cool going on that you can go out and do something fun. Because that's really uh, generationally we've started to understand that there is a different focus socially, you know, for those of us that, that are the over 40 crowd that, you know, may have moved out to the burbs and that's great. But the twenties and thirties, my understanding now is they want to be out with each other mm-hmm. and they want to be interacting and get the experience of things. And the city is a big part of that. So absolutely interesting. I, I guess I'd never thought about it that way. So the things you guys are doing, how do you, how do you do that? How do you make it visible and likable for those that are already here? What kind of things are you doing? Well, where we <clears throat> where we started was um, initially with just really big events and parties. And mm-hmm. a lot of those were great um, just from the perspective of exposing people to our brand, you know, building our following, building our mailing list, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and we've, we did big events and, and all kinds of fun stuff for a couple of years. And... Um, Really, in the last year or so, we've kind of really started to get a little bit more scientific with what we're trying to do and figure out how to scale. Um, you know, so we've done everything from um, public placemaking, so transforming an old park in downtown Kansas City into a um, you know renovated place that people want to hang out. Cool. Um, we've looked at um, other programs that not only just um, help people have fun one night a week, but figuring out or one night in the summer, but really figuring out. What's the sustainable way to really plug people into shaping their community and helping pair you know young adults in up with opportunities like within Kansas City, uh, Kansas City school systems or um, you know reading books to kids and, and doing all kinds of things that 
really leave a lasting impact, but at the same time also give them exposure to their future self in Kansas City. And like, what is it that they're going to be looking for when they turn, uh, you know, when they're in their 30s and 40s? Okay. Um, and so really trying to do that. And, and then most recently, uh, and probably the reason we got in touch again was uh, we've been taking what we've learned with doing all those things, those point in time events, and really trying to take a step up a level now and saying, how do we create just the coolest calendar in Kansas City that helps you find um, really events and things to do any night of the week, really tailor fit towards your personality on what you want to do. Without having to go to a newspaper or something? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, then it naturally you know, progresses to having something in your hand, mm -hmm. right? So you guys, was it about three weeks ago, I think, you yep. launched a, a dedicated LiveKC app, yep. is that right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's on the. It's it's available right now on both iPhone and Android phones. You can go out to the your respective app store and search LiveKC all in word, um, and you'll find it there. Really, the approach we're taking there is, um, you know, we've had plenty of event calendars, and there's nationwide tons of event calendar apps, but none of them know the city locally like I thought we could we could really produce. And so, okay. um, through my journey at LiveKC, I ran into some really incredible people. Um, whether it's, you know, people who have, uh, like a local radio music show, like Chris Agarian and Sarah Bradshaw at the bridge, mm -hmm. they know the local music community probably better than most anybody else in this city. So um, sounds like you're going towards having kind of experts curate certain different areas. Exactly. Yeah. So we take, oh, okay. we take experts like that or expert in volunteerism or expert in drinks and cocktails. And what we do is we pull in every single event going on in Kansas city and then put them in front of those experts, this panel of experts, and let them sort through and filter it for us all in a really intelligent way. So as you're following these experts on our platform, you're not seeing everything going on in Kansas City. You're seeing the things that they put their thumbs up on. That's awesome because these are probably people, I'm guessing, that, that your client, your customer, you know, your target market is following on Twitter for right. their businesses and stuff like that already. So they have some social proof already. Right. That they, they make good choices. Absolutely. And that's, okay. and that's the goal. Like if, you know, quite honestly, if you were coming to Kansas City for a week and you wanted to see, um, get a taste of like the arts community or performance arts community in town, there's one person that I know really well that if you could follow him around, you would have probably the best week of your life. You can't, <laughs> okay. and I can't scale that. But what you can do now on our platform is you can follow somebody like a Hampton Stevens, who is this freelance writer um, and, and doing a lot of great stuff in the community and really knows that very well that, you know, just see what he's liking and now you can go to the same things that Hampton would. Now that's really interesting because that to me is what I'm used to hearing. That's two different directions. You say that this is something that, that this is the way you scale it, but you're scaling it by really kind of reining it in to a little bit more of a niche focus yeah. per the individuals or the pairs, like you said, that curate the content. So by getting a little more specific, your reach actually gets bigger because it's more useful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, again, if you go look at Facebook today, and you know, the number one platform for events out there, uh, it's no question you will find when Taylor Swift is coming to town. <laughs> but what you don't find are the more interesting, like, where are the local, you know, up and coming artists performing tonight? And that's right. what... That's the perspective our tastemakers, our curators really come from. Well, and even to go out and find those things on your own, local paper or something like that that lists indie bands, Yeah, I find it's still hard to sort through when there's 15 of them listed for Friday night. Which how one? Do you, how do you decide? Yeah, yeah, exactly. you, know, you know, maybe you go for a Yelp or something to try to find something on the bar that they're at or the venue and decide that way. 
But this way, if you've got a trust source, basically, yeah, you can pick through that. That's really cool. Well, That's I mean, I I, idea. I grew up watching Seinfeld, and you know, it's like there was a there was the video store episode where <laughs> Elaine got obsessed with that one video store employee, you know, and it's like yep. that's the relationship I think we've got the opportunity to create here is you know just like you used to be able to walk into a blockbuster and look at employee Gene's picks on the wall, um, you know, you you know, and Gene who works in a movie store is probably one of the bigger experts on those movies. Yeah. And we've got the same thing going on now in all kinds of communities here in Kansas City. That's interesting to me because. One of the complaints I think we hear about so much of the digital interaction is that it depersonalizes things, but it sounds like you guys are bringing that back a little bit, Yeah, making it more personal. Yeah, that's one of our core values at LiveKC is in, in, in our events, you know, in our engagements, even with this platform, everything we try to do is we, we want to be social, but really in real life. Um, and I think like we, we believe magic happens face to face and, you know, getting people out into the city, uh, off their couches and and doing fun stuff, experiencing things that I didn't even know existed here really unlocks the magic of Kansas City. You see, I love that because that's that's part of the, the drive behind this is getting people to discover things that, that is fantastic about Kansas City you might not have run into. Right. Um, I, I really, as I've done it, I've found that I would love to see more people crossing a lot of the lines we have here in town, be it geographical or diversity lines, things like that. And I think it's just something to make our city stronger yep. altogether. So I, I really love that focus. That's really cool. Well, just wondering, where does it where does it go from here? You know, what's the next step? The app is obviously a big, you know, that launch is huge. Is it more big events every year? Is it reaching out to more individuals? What? How does it work from, from here on? Yeah, I mean, uh, the app, as you see it today, is really kind of 10% of the iceberg. We have, you know, big plans and big dreams for where this could go. Um, but our organization continually is, you know, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in our mission will never change uh, or doesn't change. Um, but, you know, strategic and tactically, you know, we'll continue to shift things and continue to figure out how we can make our biggest impact. Long-term goal or long-term objective, though, is to make sure that we're kept capturing our fair share of the next generation. So how do we make sure that Kansas City continues to grow economically through those population trends and making sure that we've got a very well-blended, diverse, strong, youthful city um, will mean better business for every single person in the town. That message seems like it's not out there enough right now because I didn't, even before sitting and talking now, I didn't really get the concept as I looked at the website, for example, of, wow, look at all these really prominent businesses that are that are listed here mm-hmm. as, as sponsors of LibKC, why would they be into just parties? I don't mean to yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. mean to get it wrong, but now it makes perfect sense to me that we are really facing a generational shift, not just in Kansas City, but across the nation, where a lot of the the fifties and sixties are starting to retire and you've got to replace that workforce. Yeah. So um, this is an interesting Interesting track to do that on, and now I understand why they see this as important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it seems like it comes at a perfect time with everything that's happening in Kansas City over the last really 10 years to kind of rebuild our inner, our core of the city because it seems like that's what is becoming very interesting to the millennials, that generation, is the more urban living, the walkable neighborhoods, things that are more sustainable and stuff like that, and we're going that direction. What, um, where could we do better, I guess? I always wonder. You know, Kansas City constantly 
uh, and I think all mis- Midwestern towns have struggled with this ebb and flow of sprawl. You know, and I think for Kansas City, we've easily found it, uh, or we've found it easy, I should say, to build on the fringes of the town. Just keep going out. Yeah, and our infrastructure isn't built to, you know, we can't expect to support the geographic size of the city with our population density as it is currently. So I think, you know, that's an area where we probably have some opportunities is to continue building amenities, uh, you know, off of our riverfront, as an example. We've got a lot of green space and, and resource down there. I know there's plans to build condominiums, but mm-hmm. um, the next thing we need is our jobs down there. We need, uh, you know, big employers or even mid-sized employers to make commitments to to live in these economically the diverse and economically compact um, areas of opportunity down in the downtown district. It's where these people were flocking to cities like Denver. Denver is actually um, attracting young professionals at a higher rate than any other city in America. That's what they're getting right is they want to live in these interesting cultural neighborhoods. They want to live, you know, close to the place they work. And they also want to have like this really cool urban landscape and park and, you know, all that stuff like that right there. And we've got, we have that opportunity. I think it's just a matter now of making sure the developers and the organizations, the big companies, the small companies all really see value in locating the same spot. That's fascinating. I mean, that brings a lot of things into in color as far as, like you said, park availability, even things with people starting businesses around things like dog parks that we've talked about. Uh, that's important to people because so many, so many people who are younger right now really want to be out and active, but they live in an apartment. So they'll have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't seem to match up you know, active lifestyle and living downtown, but it, it does now. So those type of amenities do become important. Public transportation, for example. It's still surprising to a lot of people a few months in how many people are on the streetcar. Yeah. So I think we probably can build our understanding as a city a little bit better about what's good about things we're not used to. <laughs> right. No, it is a little bit unnatural for us, but I think yeah. we've got a lot of positive indicators. Things are moving in the right direction. Um, and more importantly, the people who are here are starting to believe, too. And I think going back to, I, I kind of placed the inflection point at, at, you know, Google Fiber being installed in this city. I think a lot of people woke up one day and like, why did why did Google choose Kansas City? And and a lot of people walked out of their offices, walked out of their homes, and like, what what is it about this place? What's going on here? Maybe we should choose it as well. And yeah. I think um, you've seen constant momentum building and growing a lot of big change makers I'm coming out of the woodwork because of that civic pride, wanting to be here, wanting to call this place home, or wanting to be proud of calling this place home. You know, I think I really like the focus of the younger generations, but I think there's a big part of it, too, that those of us, I mean, I'm I'm one of the older ones now. I'm 41, but I think my generation has a tendency, if we've been here for 5, 10 years, or our whole lives, we take a lot of Kansas City for granted. Absolutely. Maybe we stay on the fringes more than we should. I'm a great example. I fall down on this all the time. I was just talking to my 12-year-old daughter who loves art and music. And this Friday is probably going to be the first time I'll take her to First Fridays. Mm. You know, things like that. Um, Now, there are people that are better at it than me. But in general, I think the engagement of every generation together is what we need more of. Yep. I don't think we have a great understanding across those generational lines to some extent. And that's unfortunate because that's what can lead to either the wrong things happening in the right areas where you've got gentrification of a neighborhood that was once economically diverse yeah and if you get too many people in one area just because it's popular well it's not going to be diverse anymore right so we lose that benefit so 
uh, rambling a bit, but there's just so much that we probably need to first learn about uh, the, the different generations and where they're going in our town Yeah, and, and support that. And even with our, you know, with our event platform that we're building, this today focuses on, you know, we've got a target market of, you know, people in our 20s and 30s, um, but it scales easily to having, you know, a parenting curator on there that can kind of say, yeah. here are the fun things to do with your children this week. And, and I think just it's more of an awareness thing than it is, you know, an actual thing happening thing, if that makes sense. <laughs> There's so much going on that sometimes the, the, it all gets lost. And helping you or helping me or helping whoever find that magic, uh, that, that magic thing going on in the city or, um, you know, something that seems appealing and getting out there is, is really the hard part. And that's really what we're trying to solve. So, <laughs> well, and I would encourage folks, even that if they, if they feel they're a little bit quote older than, than what an event they see is to just pick it up and go anyway, because I've done some of that in the last several months where I've gone to things that. I think are marketing-wise targeted towards the generation younger than me. People don't care. Yeah. <laughs> We're in a great, friendly city. Everybody knows that. Everybody's going to be thrilled to have you there and have a good time anyway. Yep. I think the more of that we can do, the better off we'll be, is just building it together as an entire city, not a Northland, south of the river, Johnson County, and Missouri, and, you know, all the separations that we've, we've brought in over the last several years. No doubt. Well, that's really cool, man. Well, you guys have also, if I if I remember right from looking at stuff, you partnered with kind of some other other businesses downtown that are doing similar things, haven't you? For your events and things like that. Yeah, we've we've really tried to keep a, an open approach to everything, and I think this community again has some amazing resources and assets. Um, whether it's other young professional groups or nonprofits, or um, even looking at like public assets, like. Uh, you know, KCPT or the bridge, you know, to, to um, public assets that we have here. Um, we see other people who are really trying to do the same thing as us or similar things as partners, not competitors or collaborators, not competitors. Um, at the end of the day, like I've said before, our, our true enemy is the sofa. And, you know, if you're sitting at home, yeah, we have you sitting, sitting on, on one right now. It's okay. In short, short bursts, short you know, bursts. it's just like, you know, Utilitarian. just like a McDonald's French fry and, and everything like that, right? They're, they're good every now and again. No, but we've we've really tried to work together with some of those others just because I know that we're much stronger together than we are competing with each other for the same resource. So very cool. Well, since we already had you once, I guess I guess your hidden gems are already out there. But <laughs> um, what what do you guys have big coming up next, or do you have recurring events that we can watch for and maybe? The the easiest to? way to always be on top of what's going on with us is to follow us on our Facebook page. Facebook or Twitter or kind of whatever you mm -hmm. prefer. We're also on Instagram. Most of those should be LiveKC. You search them, you'll find them. You know, so we'll try to feature stuff on there. The The application is going to be a big focus for us though right now is really getting that Good. distributed. And, and so if you haven't yet, I'd encourage you to download it. Um, it's still somewhat of a beta. Um, mm -hmm. we're, we're making um, weekly updates to the app and then, you know, releasing those every two weeks to the public. So get it, check it out. If you don't like it, keep it for another week. It'll probably change. It'll look a little different, <laughs> but we, we definitely want to make this an open process with the community because I think this is, we see it as a resource for the community. And, um, so I love hearing feedback and input and getting people to contact me with, you know, bugs or things that they saw. So it's, it's just a, a work in progress and really going to be a big focus for us right now. Very cool. So who's, who's doing your development on it are you kind of the primary yeah i mean i've i've done a lot coding? of the i'm not no i'm not doing the coding <laughs> myself no i but a lot of the 
design and the user experience has come, you know, straight out of my head um, with help from some really great friends um, who've helped me kind of shape some of those thoughts and experiences. And the development is being done by a local development shop just down the street from my office co- um, by the name of Code Koalas. Okay. Um, and they're, they're just a great local development shop doing amazing work. Um, and they were really excited. You know, when I went around and interviewed developers for this project, I ran into a number of them with all different skill levels and, and stages of where they could be. Um, but what excited me most about Code Koalas was they were just real passionate about the idea. And when we sat down our first meeting, after debriefing them on the idea, they're like, this is something that I could see myself using. In fact, I've needed. Well, I was going to say, that sounds like your target market. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense that you'd have them yeah, no, it's been it's been great, uh, good partnership with them, and I really love those guys. So, very cool, man. Any other shout outs to folks that are making it possible? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, just everybody. I have I obviously office downtown out of the uh, sporting uh, building with Fan Three Hundred and Sixty is actually another company down there is part of the same family, and uh, you know, there's a number of people working at Fan Three Hundred and Sixty who have been a big help as we continue to develop this out, and so they sit around me, they know who they are. No, it's, I, I think, again, just going back to it, I think it comes down to the community. We've had a lot of passionate friends of LiveKC or community members who have walked up to me and said, hey, I love this app, but here's one part of it that sucks. You know, what can you do about this? And, and those kind of things are actually really helpful. That's this, you want that unsolicited feedback yeah. um, because it means people are using it, but they also have ideas on how to make it better. Yeah, it's not, it's not negative criticism. It's, I love it, but I want it to work better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, can't think of everything yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. I appreciate you uh, letting us know more about this and kind of how to interact with it and where it's going and really the deeper meaning under it because I think my mistake might be what some other people just glancing at it might make. Oh, this is just some folks that want to have a good time in Kansas City. There's so much more to it to maintain a long-term economic health, basically, here in Kansas City by making sure we've got all the talent we need. Very cool, man. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Eric. Appreciate you. you. You know, stepping stepping back into it. We didn't run you off the first time. And <laughs> it's absolutely been a pleasure. Thanks. No, man. thank you for what you're doing. What a great conversation. Now, I've got to tell you, I think Eric might be one of the most humble and insightful leaders for Kansas City's overall economic health as we move into the generational shift that we're starting to see in our workforce. A big thanks to him to be willing to share his time with me for this show. As I was editing this episode, I really had a lot of additional thoughts this week about our discussion, so I'd like to share just a few. I'll cover me first. I have a problem of making quick assumptions about things, and I encourage you not to do the same. I first downloaded and looked at the LiveKC app the day Eric announced its launch, and after skimming it, I honestly thought it was really just another app trying to get people to local events. Now, obviously, I I was dead wrong, so I took another look. When I took a deeper look at it, I realized this is much different from other calendar or event apps that I've seen out there or getting on Facebook to find something. As I realized that I could select curators or influencers to follow, I really saw the value in it because instead of seeing every local garage band that's playing Friday evening, 
I only saw events that were curated by the influencers that I followed. And the value of that app just 10x'd itself for me at that moment because similar to following someone on Twitter or Instagram, you'll get to see what people that you respect find interesting and attend those events. Now, ideally, you'll end up at events with more people that share your interests, therefore making your experience just that much better. So second, I want to challenge some folks in our city a little bit on their attitude. Specifically, those who, like me in the past, simply roll their eyes every time they hear the word millennials thrown out. I used to be especially critical anytime I heard about marketing to millennials or changing things to accommodate millennials because I didn't take a good look and I didn't really understand what they were saying. I had the impression that these were things that, quote, they, as a whole generation, were demanding from us as a society or as a city, and I was wrong. The message that most of us are ignoring when we take this attitude is this. Our demographics are shifting to a much younger population base. That's just a fact. If we want our businesses, causes, and our city to maintain their overall long-term viability, we need to examine what we're offering and how we deliver it. Because it's different for this next generation than what we like. If we don't do this, we're going to miss out what these generations are telling us is important to them. And as their influence grows, we will naturally be ignored. If you're a local business owner or a manager, I think you need to evaluate what your customer demographic is right now and what you want it to look like five years, ten years in the future because it's going to change. Take the industry that I'm in day to day, real estate is a good example. If you've got a builder that evaluates her business right now and she sees that it's almost exclusively suburban developments that are purchased by middle class, 40-something families, I think they might want to explore how they can depart from that diversify a little bit and strengthen their business for the long term because right now that is not what the next generation of home buyers is saying that they're going to want. So market shifts just like this are just one reason an industry could contract significantly in a local area because the local businesses aren't delivering what the market says they want. And I think that's something that we can see coming and we can learn from right now so Kansas City is better for it in the future. Now, don't get me wrong, we have a wonderful city. I think we all know that. But remember there's a couple strikes against us when we're battling for this younger talent. A lot of what people would consider cool cities like Chicago, Austin, etc., these are large attractors of younger workforces, but they have the advantage of having extremely large university populations right there in their metro. And we don't have this. We don't have... 40,000 undergrads for several years experiencing our town and building an affinity for us. So we have to reach out for that a little bit more. Now personally, I think a lot of us have come to embrace the flyover state mentality. Basically thinking that everything will remain just how it is and just fine if we go ahead and let people stay away from here because they don't have a good impression of our place. It just won't work. We know how to be hospitable here in the Midwest, but you know sometimes we don't feel like extending that to outsiders who might not love our, our city yet. And we've got to change that attitude so we're more inviting up front and telling people to come and see what we have to offer, no matter what you think of us now. So anyway, enough ranting for the week. 
I really thank you again for listening. And remember, if you do know someone that you think would be great for the show, you can always let me know at scott at caseygreats.com. Get me on Facebook, hit me on Twitter. So have a great week. I'll see you next time.